Welcome to Change Board's Future Talent Podcast, our series of exclusive interviews with senior business leaders and thinkers to uncover their perspectives on the changing world of work. I'm Mary Appleton, Change Board's Chief Editor. Today, I'm joined by Julio Bruno, who is Chief Executive of Time Out Group. Time Out is a global media and entertainment business that inspires people to connect with global cities through content, technology and experiences. Time Out is the main advocate and ambassador for the city and the people in it. Time Out spans 108 cities across 39 countries with an average monthly audience global reach of over 217 million across all of its platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to the Future Talent Podcast and listen to our range of interviews via iTunes, SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Julio joined the company in 2015, originally as executive chairman, with the main objective of developing and executing an ambitious five-year plan of reinvention, transformation and growth. He secured £90 million at the IPO in the London Stock Exchange, floating the company in June 2016, and becoming Group Chief Executive Officer. In this podcast, Julio reflects on his career to date, what he's done to grow the business, and what he looks for in prospective future talent. He also shares his insights from running a global business and what it takes to pioneer successful transformation, as well as offering his tips for keeping motivated as a leader. Okay, so Julio, it's great to have you with us here today. Thank you very much for joining us. You've had a bit of an interesting journey coming into Time Out, uh, so I understand that you didn't actually formally apply for the job. Can you tell us a bit about that? Uh, yes. Well, thank you for, for having me in Changeport um, and for coming here. Uh, yeah, well, there was no job to apply for. There was my, my role didn't exist. I started as executive chairman. Uh, but the reality is that they were not looking for me. In a way, I was looking for them. Um, I was looking for my next challenge and I did something that now you know when I look back it seems bold and different obviously it's unusual and I guess it's unusual probably at this level even more so which is I was looking for an opportunity for a vehicle for me to put everything that I have learned in my career together and use it to, to transform a company an industry yeah. and, and, and an iconic brand like Time Out. And so, yes, I, I approach uh, the owners at the time of Time Out. It was a private company. Yeah. And then I, uh, the rest is history. I mean, I just told them, um, they didn't know what I was talking to them. And the first meeting, there was no discussion at Time Out until the end when I said to them, what is, do you think is there any company that you own that you think I could fit? you know, my talents, and they said, well, we have this company called Time Out. <laughs> now imagine my answer, I said, oh really, Time Out, I think I know them. And then I did my elevator pitch, like, off the cuff. Yeah. So obviously it wasn't. Yeah. And then obviously they, they, they were quite impressed, but they were not looking uh, for my role. Clearly a big mistake, uh, <laughs> if I say so myself, <laughs> that they were not looking. But obviously, they love what I had to say. They love the direction that I wanted to take the company, which is quite radical in its evolution compared to what it was an old publisher to what we are today and what we will be tomorrow. And um, and they love that. And obviously, I'm delighted to be here. And you know, within a year, no, within six months, I took the company public. So imagine the the, the yeah. journey so far. Absolutely. And did you always aspire to work in publishing? 
Uh, well, I don't work in publishing, so first thing. Um, I never joined Time Out thinking this was publishing. Okay. Which I think that also puts me, it put me in a very different uh, frame of mind and a very different uh, way of thinking when I was talking to the investors. Because, yeah, they were still, although they wanted to evolve and be more digital, and they were going more digital uh, before me, uh, the, the people they have had in charge were editors or they were... I know business, they were not business people per se. And being able to have somebody from the outside looking at this as a business, mm. not as a how can I make a bigger or better publisher. Yeah. Nothing wrong with publishing. I have to say that since I arrived, we have launched eight new magazines on top of what we had. So, but we are still not a publisher. Um, actually, more than 60% of our revenue has nothing to do with print and publishing. So obviously that that was a big change. Mm. Clearly that wasn't the case two and a half years ago, but it is today. So no, I never, I never. To answer your question, no, I never was looking to be a publisher. I saw Time Out as a travel and entertainment and media yeah. company, or we call now global media and entertainment. And I saw Time Out that it should be uh, the truest platform for city life and global. And that's mm -hmm. what we are today and what we are aspiring to be better and better. Sure. Okay. So when you came in, you were kind of tasked with reinventing the company, growing the company, which you, you've alluded to, and transformation. So can you talk a little bit about what you did when you first came in? Wow. How long have you gone? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> this is a work of love and a lot of people um, involving it. Uh, so what I first did was, obviously I had my ideas and, you know, I had done my due diligence, but yeah. still as a private company, you don't know exactly what is happening when you start turning stones and see what is underneath, right? Sure. So I, um, I, I, I evaluated the team that I have around and, and matched the skills of the team to what I needed. And, and, and I, f I found them wanting um, I always have said that you have to feed the people to the structure, not the other way around. Okay. And I had a structure in mind of how this company should work. And then when I start putting where should I, what kind of a skills, what kind of leaders do we need, I realized that I needed a lot of new leadership. Yeah. And I needed leadership, or we needed leadership, that it was a uh, leadership to understood the new timeout the business mm -hmm. of Time Out, uh, which is being true to your 50 years history, but at the same time being like a 50-year-old startup. Yeah. And in that world, content still is king. Our professional content, our editing is fantastic. That's why people come to see us. But then you have to take that, if you want, highly artistic part of you know journalists and editors and say, well, now we have to make money as well. Yeah. Because I joined a company that obviously was losing money, and, and we're still not um, uh, there yet, but we are getting closer and closer. And obviously, the, 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 the mentality of the people who I had in the, in the main, not everybody, was not the kind of people and leadership that I wanted. And another thing in leadership is that, you know, the best predictor of success is having done it successfully before. Yeah. So I was looking for people who understood that. Not, and I didn't worry, and that's why I said I never thought about publisher. I never went to look for 
publishers mm. or people with publishing experience. I was looking for leaders, businessmen who understood digital and digital marketing and understood uh, content in the concept of a global uh, company and as, it's, uh, as it relates to commerce. And I was looking for people who understood commerce in the digital world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And that, that's what you, that I was bringing. So that was probably the, the, the most biggest change that it started early on. There were some other strategic decisions that we can discuss later if you want that mm -hmm. I did, but I think that's the most, the most who are the people who are going to be with you in changing and transforming a, a company like Time Out? Okay, so that's obviously talking from a leadership perspective. Did it require a certain mindset shift um, among the rest of the employee population to kind of take Time Out on this journey that you wanted to take them on? Certainly. Um, I don't think it was easy for a lot of people, right? Because if you are used to one way for a long time and, and, and somebody comes and changes everything and, yeah. and you know, uh, I, I, I think I made it with a smile all the time, being transparent and all that, but I, but I imagine, I mean, uh, I'm sure I didn't have a lot of friends to start with because clearly you are, you are changing the status quo. Yeah. And when you change the status quo, regardless of your intentions, you are going to have a huge wall in front of you. Uh, but I don't, today, because you're asking me, I'm thinking about that, but I never thought about that's a wall and I have to break it or, you know, I never think like that or I never behave like that. But I'm conscious that it was there. And that's why the people who obviously, the, the people who stayed with a lot of people, <laughs> clearly, mm. and they started seeing that what we were going through, what we were going to, to do, what we aspired to be. They start seeing the new leadership as well, not just myself, and uh, who they were, what they were saying. And, and then we use, you know, the normal, to me, very normal, but maybe it's not that usual, which is transparency. Yeah. So for the first time, I told, I told people why we were doing what we were doing. I shared the numbers. The people didn't know the numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, I shared how much we lost and why, how that was not sustainable, how, you know, you cannot be going on and on and on being private, let alone public, losing money, how we wanted to preserve and grow time out and the only way to grow time out was to make sure that it was viable economically yeah. and when you talk to people like that like adults mm. you know they may not like it what it means in terms of jobs or in terms of role opportunity but trust me then they cannot say well i don't know what you're talking about and of course when people don't agree with that some people may have a problem with that they say well we are charity or you know i'm here as an artist or i don't care <laughs> you know there could be people like that that's all right there's only this little thanks God unemployment in London is like what four or five percent or mm. in New York four or five percent and they can choose and they choose so you know that's that's natural you want people who want to be here and understand why and how their contribution is is, is making this company better in which way and I think that when people start uh, started to understand that hey, I know what is happening I'm getting continuous uh, updates stand-ups town halls where all of this is explained over and over again transparently then there is little you can you can complain about so to mm. speak because now you know who is that company what is the framework and how you as an individual are part of that framework and what is your contribution. Yeah. When you have that, you, you take away all these gray areas where people don't know, nobody values me, or I don't understand what I do here. And that's awful because uh, you don't want people to be unhappy. Mm. Uh, 
you know, you're spending nine, ten hours with people every day, yeah. sometimes more. Um, you want to be, you know, as happy as you can be. I'm not saying, you know, group hug and stuff like that, but I'm <laughs> saying, hey, you know, uh, if you don't enjoy it, then don't be here. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense for you to yeah. be here. Okay. And how would you describe the culture now, today, within the business? We have improving a lot of those elements, but we are by no means we are. Don't I think culture is something that is 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 uh, ever evolving and ever changing. And you know, you have. I mean, we have a lot of people, new people, right? In the last two years, a yeah. lot of people have come to the company, which means they have a lot of what is called new blood and new way of thinking. Obviously, that way of thinking matches much more now the leadership that we have in the business. Uh, so clearly that has changed the culture on its own. And then, uh, you know, even moving to these offices here, all open plan has made already, I think, a big change because people see each other, talk to each other. You know, you have the, uh, the cafe space here at the timeout bar. You have another one downstairs where people are all the time, as you can see, joining yeah. and talking and meeting. Uh, so the culture in that case is more transparent, but a, a, a better to a, a better place to work with. I see more people happy and smiling than ever before. But by no means we are done. I mean, uh, you turn around one day, you do, you look away, and then suddenly everything has changed again. Mm. So you have in your team and yourselves have to be working at it all the time. We do surveys. We do the engagement uh, surveys and people obviously see what they feel or don't feel and you know so it's just difficult reading always mm. because it's but really we are doing this oh well but that person didn't see it or that person doesn't believe you did and that has to uh, be part of you know looking at yourself in the mirror mm. and saying okay what are the things that i can change the things that we can change as a company or the things that we have to accept and then tell people why this is this way and and hopefully you know if you say it, people will understand why some things cannot be maybe like some people would like yeah. them to be, right? Yeah. Okay. And you've talked about kind of new talent, new blood coming in. What are the key skills or attributes that you're looking for as a business from future talent coming in? Yeah. Let me first also say, I did have new talent, new blood coming in. We also have enormous amount of promotions, internal promotions yeah. and talent that, that were doing a, re, a, a local job and then now they are doing global jobs. So, okay. so we promoted like the global editor-in-chief. The last two have been internal promotions. Right. Uh, the current one. I mean, there, there have been a lot of things. So I have to say as well, we always look at uh, the talent, what whatever it have. is, whether it's yeah. inside or outside. So let me be clear. Clearly, when you are transforming a company, it makes more sense at the beginning to bring the people that, they, that you believe they are, is lacking. Right, so yeah. but let's be clear. We promote internally um, because we are only looking for the best mm. in each position that we can afford and that we can get, and that is internally and externally. Sure. So, looking at the future, what are we are looking? We are looking for people. That w you probably, I could answer the other way. I mean, why do people are here in timeout? And the people are here first because they want to be here, right? They can choose. Uh, they are here because they all want to be part of an iconic brand transformation. They all want to say, I was part of the team yeah. that actually made Time Out into a profitable business, relevant worldwide as we are, but even more so, and transform the websites, transform the e-commerce, transform the markets, all that, and I was part of that. Uh, 
And that, I think, is the same for, for anybody that you ask here. So what we are looking for people in the future and the talent that we are looking for, first, people who want to be successful and want to evolve themselves, their career in a company, and they have the opportunity to do so here. And then they are the, 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 the skills needed for the job. Obviously, we are looking for a digital marketeer. We will need a, a somebody yeah. with experience. We need, we're looking for a finance manager. We will need somebody you know, with accounting. Uh, so clearly, there is, there is that. So we're looking for that. But we are looking also for people who are, who are happy to work in an environment which is very startup-y, I would say. We are very much now that kind of environment. We are international global but we're still small we have like a 420 people or so in the company so it's okay. not like it's not massive so you have you can see what you do you can see the results of what you do and that's great for people mm. right so we're looking for people who want to contribute who want to be part of that who are talented bright above all that they have passion for what they do because we believe in passion i mean we are in the happiness business right that's what we do Going yeah. out, theater, plays, events, uh, music concerts. So imagine if you're working in timeout and you're not happy. How can you sell happiness <laughs> if you're unhappy? So you see what I mean? Again, not talking about the group hug kind of thing in the yeah. morning, right? Yeah. I'm talking about just being passionate about what you do. And, you know, everybody that works at timeout loves timeout. The idea of timeout, the brand timeout, what it means because, hey, it's about what we all do when we don't work, going out, yeah. time out, right? So everybody loves that. When you talk about, oh, time out, I love that, you know, the concerts, <laughs> the cinema, the things, that's fantastic. And we, as a company, reflect, reflect the, compa the, the, the cities that we serve, right? So inside time out, you will see that the people who are here are a Wonderful reflection of the people who are out in London. No? So yeah. we are in London. If you go to New York or Chicago, Hong Kong would be the same. Okay. So picking up on that then, Time It operates, I believe, in 108 cities across 39 countries. Correct. Yeah. So how do you keep consistency across the global operations that you have, but then also reflect the diversity and the locality of the areas that you're operating in? So from the point of view of content, we are hyper-local, right? Yeah. It's about the things that happen in that city. Yeah. But that content it is both for locals and global people. So travelers want to see what is happening in New York, but New Yorkers also want to know what is happening in New York, right? So it's, so it's hyper-local content with a global outlook in the sense that you are doing this in all these other cities. Yeah. That's 108 cities. Um, so... From the point of view of a structure of the team, yes, we do have global leads now, which we didn't have two years ago, which are people who are, you know, the global content uh, editor-in-chief or the global head of sales, of media sales, of e-commerce, etc. So that is all uh, done at a global level. But then the people who operate or execute are all at local level, right? Yeah. Then within, within Europe, obviously, we have EMEA because we have also Spain and Portugal and France on top of the yeah. UK. And then in the USA, well, there are like eight sites plus Mexico, Canada, so North America. And then in Asia, the same thing, right? Okay. And so you've obviously got lots of people working across different time zones based on, on, on where you operate. So from a leadership perspective, how do you connect those people and motivate them across kind of you know, disparate locations, perhaps? 
Well, we, I mentioned before that we do things like we do uh, from the Time Out Digital and Time Out Market are two divisions within Time Out Group, right? Yeah. So we're talking a lot of Time Out Digital, which is the largest part today in terms of people. So uh, the, the, the CEO, Christine Peterson, she runs uh, stand-ups every two weeks, which is where, and they are, record, uh, they are done live around the world. You know, it's all video conferencing okay, around yeah. the world with, uh, through Google Meet and all that. So the leader, well, not leaders, people leaders and non-leaders present the things that have happened that are important, the new things that are going to happen in the different sections of the company, whether in commerce or content or uh, engineering. Yeah. And that has presented, there are shout-outs where people, you know, shout out anonymously about somebody else doing something good, and that's read. New starters are announced, etc. And that's done worldwide. And I think for, we also record it because I think our friends in Australia probably <laughs> always have a problem with the timing, yeah. and sometimes Hong Kong. So that recorded, and then they put in themselves the following day as they open. Um, so that, that, then we do town halls, uh, like every, every three months. I used to run those myself, uh, yeah. going around to the cities and presenting the plan and what we are doing, and et cetera, with the leadership. We do, uh, you know, product meetups where, like, every week the, the product that are changing and evolving are open to everybody. We obviously have the QBR, the quarterly business review, where yeah. the team presents to me, you know, with their CEOs, et cetera, they present to me. We have, so there are many more. We have, like, the meet and, the, the meet and greet, uh, sorry, the lunch and learn, where yeah. we, we invite people to, to, to present. I do a video cast, a video cast every three months or so. Okay. That is addressed to the, uh, to the company, obviously, where I talk to them about results, what we are doing, where we are going, and as in a video format. Yeah, I think that uh, compared to all the companies that I've been before, um, I think that we are out there, up there in terms of how do we communicate with people. And, and then, of course, they all have, like this week, I see that the, the leaders of departments are doing their, um, how do you call it, the off-sites yeah. with all their teams. So I've been invited to two of them at the beginning to, they are departmental, but they, they want me to give some you know, some some uh, words at the yeah. end or at the beginning, and I do. So there is a lot of things, and it's very important because people want to know that first they are valued, yeah. and the people know what they are doing, and they also want to know what the others are doing and how their their output, you know, fits into the rest of the company. So that's yes. why it's very important. This seemingly appears a lot of communication, but trust me, I'm sure that some people are still saying, oh, I don't know about that, and I should know more. It's, yeah. it's logical, right? Yeah, okay. And so you've talked about transparency um, and digital as well. How, how do you use data that obviously you will be able to gather across all of your different platforms to generate insights to help with your kind of comms to the so, rest of the business? So we have two, if you want, on that area, two types of data. Our internal data that yeah. we collect through our own, uh, you know, millions and millions of users on, online that we collect also in the timeout market where we give free Wi-Fi and they give you email address. So we have okay, millions yeah. of email yeah. addresses as well that we know, well, at least where they are or where they are coming from. And, and then we have the data that we do through surveys that we, uh, that we do third party with ourselves, which are like, you know, 
uh, industry things that we do the city life index so we interview thousands of people around the world and we create a city life index so we we look at data both internally we have a director of data worldwide yeah. that obviously is dealing without insights and then we have a lot of other information that from data from the finance team to you know we do we use adobe analytics for a lot of things so the data is part of our life that allow us to see what has happened to our traffic, what is happening with, uh, what is the intention to purchase. We Obviously, we are a commerce site as well, so we're e-commerce, so we are selling hundreds of thousands of tickets and events, so obviously we need to know what, how, how much, etc. So we have yeah. enormous amount of data that, that we're using, obviously, within the, uh, the parameters that you, that you can use data. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a very important thing for us, both from the commerce side, even the retail of Tamar Market, to the digital side of, of Time Out. Okay. And how are you ensuring that all of your employees in the business now have the right skills digitally to take the business forward? Uh, well, obviously, we have we are hiring the, the right people and promoting yeah. the correct people and making sure, and the leaders are making sure that they have the right people around them and so forth and so, uh, and so on. Um, uh, from the HR point of view, from the organization stand, uh, uh, standing, we have, we have several programs. Uh, one of them is, um, we call it, I don't know what we call it, but we have a grid of, a grid of people where you say we are the stand-up stars, they need more development, yeah. et cetera. And then it's part of the uh, appraisal that we do yeah. uh, twice a year. We have a mid-year appraisal and then a full-year appraisal, yeah. which is a 360 process. Um, and so obviously you are always reviewing the skills and then by results, you know, there are some of them that are very easy or are easier to see, you know, if you're in sales, mm, you know, the numbers yeah. are going to speak for themselves. If you're in finance, you know, the output that you have. And then, and then there are others like, it's, you know, you, 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 uh, from the point of view, for instance, our editors and our content, well, we have our sub-editors and our editors-in-chiefs that are making sure that the people who are writing for, for us um, are or the caliber that time out needs. And that's and you have to earn that every day, right? You have to be sure that you are relevant and uh, point with the right tone of voice of uh, of time out. And this is obviously um, something that you do with the leaders of each department, right? Yeah. And so what are your plans for this year then? What are the top initiatives that you're working on at the moment? Again, how long have you got? <laughs> this company never stops changing, evolving. Um, we continue with the same strategy that we have. So I think big things for this year, we are opening the Tamar Market in Miami. Uh, that's a great thing because, you know, we have the Tamar Market in Lisbon, which last year approximately, not yet all the numbers done, but approximately three and a half million people visited or around 12,000 people a day. So it's the largest attraction that is in Portugal. Highly successful business for us positive, EBITDA positive. Yeah. We are going to open in Miami in South Beach. Okay. Uh, we have also signed leases for Chicago and for Boston to start working in 18 to, for opening in, in 19. So the Tamar market is growing and growing very well and very rapidly. From the point of view of Tamar Digital, you will see very soon uh, the website evolving quite a lot. There right. are big changes there in our mobile sites and the app and how it's going to look like. Uh, you will see that now uh, the content more and more you can buy the things that you read about. 
So if you are reading about, you know, a theater play and you choose one, you can buy it in time out. Yeah. Very easily by book now and it's a yeah. very uh, two-step okay. process. So you're going to see things like that evolution. You're going to see uh, more video on our side. Uh, you're also going to see more audio. We just did a, a deal with Google Assistant. Uh, okay. So you can just talk to Google in your in your Android or your or your uh, iPhone uh, with talk to timeout, sorry, uh, and and things like that. So very very exciting. I will I will do it for you later if you want, oh as you yeah. can see. Yeah. So there are things that you're gonna see more and more more happening. You're gonna see clearly more growth uh, at revenue level, um, and which is very important. Uh, because we acquire franchises last year, like Spain and Australia and Singapore, etc., you're going to see now more and more content that, you know, things that we were doing in places like London or New York, now is going to happen as well in places like Hong Kong or, or Seoul. Uh, you're going to see more events as well, you know, things like we do, like, you know, the rooftop cinema or the Battle yeah. of the Burger or the Bad Awards or the Love Awards. You're going to see much more international. Um, so, yeah, there are, there are many things happening. Mm, exciting times. Yeah. So you're obviously operating in a very fast-moving uh, climate. So how do you personally keep abreast of changes? So you've talked a lot about digital and, you know, just talked about the phone. How do you personally make sure that you're keeping on top of all the developments that are happening, you know, within time out, but also in the wider business landscape? Well, many ways. Um, at a personal level, for instance, last year I was in Singularity University studying at NASA. Uh, artificial wow. intelligence, exponential technologies, uh, with the best people in the world to do that. Um, and that was only last year. So I keep doing that. Um, I also finished a degree in economics and, and management, University of New York, last um, June okay. as well, yeah. part, you know, online and all that. So I keep, I'm always, from the personal point of view, I'm always keep learning, etc. Yeah. Then obviously I talk to a lot of people in the industry every day. Uh, colleagues and competitors and I read everything and, and then some of what is happening or what should be happening uh, so I'm very much into um, you know the future not just of this industry but in general travel media entertainment yeah um, and then because the people that I have I have the best team you can imagine which means they all know more than me in the respective areas so I'm learning with them and through them um, in all our meetings, in all our discussions, because obviously with all the changes that we do, you have to be sure that your bets are as <laughs> secure bets as you can. Yeah, and for yeah. that, you have the best people. So you learn. I learn a lot from my people, from my team. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what's your favorite business book that you've read? Oh, my God, there are so many. Um, the last, the last one that it made an impact on me was the hard things about hard things, only because it was uh, uh, spoken from the point of view of an entrepreneur and what yeah. it meant to con take a company to 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 uh, to a successful and and how many times they were about to almost close down, etc. Mm -hmm. So that that's one. But there are, there are several others that are. That I that I've been reading and, and that I read all the time that I that I enjoy uh, besides the big ones and the, the the very famous ones that I have read in doing my masters and many other things. Um, so I keep reading. I read a lot of things like the Harvard Business Review because yeah. I love how they approach business and there are other things. And today, if you want to know about business, you just have to Google, 
and then you will find an incredible amount of information. Just yeah. make sure that it's the right, is the right uh, producer of, of that content uh, and will allow you. But also there are a lot of industry gatherings that uh, the ones that I attend, you're learning from people presenting that are incredible that have done this or that other transformation and uh, or are changing industries and you learn a lot you know even when you're a speaker in some of them you go there because you want to learn what, what yeah. the others are saying yeah and from a transformation point of view then how do you personally when you come into a business and 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 want to make a big transformation how do you get people to buy into you as an individual and come along that journey with you would you buy into me now that you have spoken, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that in business you are only as good, not as your last match, but almost as your next match. Yeah. Which is always, you know, like it's, it's that. Um, but do people, I think, and I do that personally, but when I talk to people, they say, well, you want to be, uh, success breeds success, right? So if you have previous success, that's the best predictor of future success, right? Having done it successfully before uh gosh i just made a a big tongue in cheek there right <laughs> uh, so um I, I think that people buy into results in they buy into people who have done things as i repeated myself successfully people buy into people so the team because you could say something but if around you you don't have what you say you don't you don't uh you don't put your mouth where your uh, sorry your Money where well, your mouth is. Exactly. <laughs> then people say, well, hold on. That, that's not, you're saying one thing, but you're doing yes. another. Yeah. So I think that if you're consistent in your, in your messaging, your approach, that's one thing. The other thing that I think personally is about the passion and the love for what you do and for the brand. I always said that, uh, let me, because I don't want it to take out of context, but if you are going to be really great at whatever you do, you have to love what you do. Yeah. And then you were really great. If you don't love what you do, even if you are super technical, capable of doing it, at best you're going to be mediocre about it. Because it's always going to be, it's a chore. Okay, I do it. I can do that. You know, I, I don't know. I can clean dishes. And I can be technically competent in cleaning dishes, right? Yeah. But I don't love it. So I'm not going to create a new way of doing a new method, a new something, because I don't love it. I don't care. I want to get done with it and finish and do something else. Yeah. So I just came out that analogy now. But think about that. To be really, truly great, you have to love what you do. And when you love what you do, people do really get attracted to it. That passion, that the way you talk about a business, and, and at any at any position in any department, in that, I'm not talking just as a company, you know, wide level. Yeah. People love that, and we all get attracted by people who really love what they do, know that the staff, and they say, "Oh my God, she knows so much. I learned so much," and that is so important. Yeah. So, other than that, I think if uh, personally you have to ask people around me and say, "Why are you?" You know, maybe they said, "Oh, ah, I don't like him at all." <laughs> why would they want to be attracted to the company? I can tell that, you know, in this company, we have an incredible team of people, and several of the leadership were people who work with me, and I worked with them before. So clearly that says a lot. Yeah, we want to work back yeah. together. Actually, as an anecdote for you, the CEO of Tamao Digital, Christine Peterson, 
was my boss at TripAdvisor. Oh, she okay. she hired me for TripAdvisor years ago, yeah. five, six, seven years ago, whatever it was. And now she's working here with me and other colleagues. So listen, that's a good predictor, right? That's people who you have worked with before that want to work with you again and you yeah. with them. Yeah. So that, I think that could answer a little bit of your question as well. Yes, definitely. Okay, and what would be your advice to people who are aspiring to become a CEO of a company? What can they do? Gosh, advice. How could I give advice uh, on that? It's everybody has his or her own path, right? I, I can only say what I did or how I became, yeah. because I knew I wanted to be a CEO of a public, of a company, international company, forever. Right. Forever. And so what I did, I, I always visualized what I wanted to do, even when I didn't, I didn't know where to start. But I read a lot and studied a lot. And one of the things that it worked for me, I realized that I wanted to have skills in different areas. So I did operations and the customer services and then a little bit of finance and then I did sales. And, and uh, that allowed me to first understand my, 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 my shortcomings, my limitations, but also the things that I was better at. And then allowed me to start seeing the company as a company, as a business, rather than just seeing one department or one function, being able to, even though when I was doing one function, I was always thinking how this relates to the rest of the company. Yeah. So thinking, whatever you are today, if you are in a customer service department or you are in a, a PR uh, department and, and, and you aspire to be the CEO of a company, uh, start thinking how does my work fit everything else and how what I do here changes that and what, what they do there changes what I do and how all, all of it together creates this thing called a company or a successful company. Mm -hmm. And when you start thinking about that and then you start thinking, well, what am I good at? What do I love? What I feel passionate about? So let's start thinking about the industry that you want to be. Because the one thing that I have also learned in my life when people, I remember <laughs> interviewing people many years ago, and they said, what do you want to, what, so what is your aspiration five years from now? Um, I want to manage people. <laughs> you know how many times I have heard that of all right. in my more junior years? And it was something like, I, it, it always struck me, I said, sorry, so you're, you see yourself in five years managing people, but why do you want to manage people? Yeah. Is that what you think that says something about you because you manage people? And then I would say, you know that is the most difficult thing of the world is to manage people and lead people and motivate people. And you know, tell me, they, they, you are going to be so disappointed um, because people, you could be doing the worst and the best of the best and they are going to think they're doing the worst. Either because that's how they feel or maybe because you are not as good. Yeah. And so things like that, you have to be careful because people think that being the CEO is because you manage people. That has yeah. nothing to do with it. Nothing. Yes, your role is being the leader and being putting the strategy there and making sure that people follow and, 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 and help create uh, that company, that idea and the results. Uh, but I would say be very clear on why would you want to be a CEO? Yeah. And if you think that, it, you know, it may look glamorous and all that, you're the CEO, you're the boss, and fine. It has a lot of things that people don't see. Not that I'm complaining, I'm very happy <laughs> doing what I'm doing. But, um, but you only learn when you finally are the CEO of a company, let alone yeah. a public company, that you are now the number one servant to the people in the company, 
and to the company itself. And that everybody expects that you drop everything to work on their problem. And people may think that when you are the CEO, people do what you want to do. Mm. <laughs> and it's completely the opposite. You are there to help them. And because you are the CEO, their expectation is that you better listen to me. Yeah. Because if you say, if you were to think, well, I'm the boss and you better do because I'm the boss, you would last three seconds. Mm. Because I insist you as a CEO are the number one servant to the company internally, to your investors, to your shareholders, to the board of directors. Everybody expects you to solve their problem, personally, departmentally, or, or to investors. And is a, a work of of love as well and patience and etc. So if you want to be that, understand what it is, find, be sure of the industry you want, visualize it, and learn and learn and learn. And by the way, when you are promoted to this and another thing, please keep studying, keep learning, because it doesn't matter where you are and you're the vice president of something of something. You have to keep learning because people around you are learning fast and, and, and better and you're going to be obsolete in two minutes. So keep at it. And you can only do that well if you love it. Yeah. Again, if you do it just because, then you're going to be a just because manager. Mm. Mm. I love that perspective. I think that's really, really interesting. Um, in terms of the biggest learning that you've gone through in your career then, can you point to a, a certain something that's kind of been a big a big arc of learning for you i learn every day and i think i've just given you one good example about what it is being a ceo yeah. and, and what you could perceive from outside a ceo is i think the learning there taking the company public you know very few people very few people in the world have the opportunity yeah. to take a company public as the ceo so i took the company public uh, that is a very if i may say small club so the learning that comes through it, the pain, and obviously the satisfaction, is very unique. And that to me has been, yes, probably the most um, obvious uh, arc of experience and learning that I have had mm. in my career. My whole career is full of examples of aha moments uh, with people, with management, with disappointments, with success, with failures. Um, and you tend to learn more from the failures than from the successes, yes, by the absolutely. way. But from but I think that the, the most, uh, as I said, not repeating myself, is, is, is taking a company public. Of all, an iconic brand, loss-making business yeah. in the London Stock Exchange aim. Uh, that's very unique and very risky and very difficult. And, 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 that, and we did it very fast as well. So that was, you know, I got, I got like four or five MBAs uh, kind of worth of experience yeah. in the <laughs> process. Yeah. Well, that must be your biggest achievement, though, surely, too. Professionally, yes. I mean, what is the... I mean, I chose this job. I mean, that hopefully didn't sound arrogant, but that's the biggest achievement, yeah. I would imagine, in a career when you actually... Almost like, not that I'm comparing myself, like a footballer who said, well, I want to go and play for Real Madrid yeah. now or for uh, Man U. Of course not. Don't go to Man U. Uh, <laughs> no, joking. So I'm not comparing myself to that. But being able to choose the company and actually convince them to hire you as the head of that company, yeah, I mean, that's, 
you know, my worries, I mean, that's, uh, that, that would be the, uh, the culmination. Mm. I mean, still too young, so I'm sure you, I have several more in me. But that's a reality that I could only dream that that could happen. And now it didn't happen. I made it happen. Mm. But once you made it happen, then the responsibility that comes with it, well, you chose this, you told us you could do all that, go and do it. Yeah. Uh, so that's also very, very humbling. Absolutely. So you talk really, really passionately and very, very eloquently about running the business and your achievements and learning and continual learning. Final question. What would be your message to our listeners who are kind of all senior leaders? How did they how do they need to kind of keep themselves motivated on top of their game and also enjoy you know other things in life as well as running business can you ever uh, have kind of a work-life balance uh, yeah you know i've been asked that question not, not just now many many times before sure. uh, when you love what you do work and life are one and the same, the same. yeah um which means i'll be, be watching you know, a program and my iPad will be with me and I will be answering emails and reading the, a report because you never have enough time. And I, it doesn't matter if it's a Friday night or a Sunday afternoon. So, but it's part of your life. So in a way, I don't know how to put it, you don't see it's work, but you don't see it as work. Yeah. So last weekend I had to be in New York to work on a Sunday. So it was Saturday and Sunday and Monday came back red eye Monday night and I was here meeting in the morning, you know, from the airport basically. Yeah. Um, and you know it's tiring but it's part of your life so if you are able to maintain your head still uh, which is not easy mm. and don't get the stress take the best of you then you're okay the problem is if, if you get the stress if you cannot do that then you need to do other things like maintaining that work life balance and what it means for you yeah. for me it meant that I have to uh, go back to the gym that I have to uh, you know walk to the office I used to do Things that allow me to have personal time, if you want, yeah. uh, without the telephone ringing nonstop, uh, or uh, you know, people coming to the office nonstop. So, it's it's a very personal thing how you do it. But I insist, if you love what you do, and and I look at successful people, way more successful than I will ever be, and I see them, and you know, their life and their work is one of the same. Yeah. And I see them happy, and their family is happy. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm sure that many are not, right? I'm just giving you the, yeah. the good examples that I, that I have witnesses, witnessed. And um, for me, I'm, I, I think I, I, I have a privileged life. Yeah, I work 14, 15 hours, but is that work? Is that my life? Uh, when I go out for dinner for, with a client, is that work? Because it's a client, and obviously you are talking about business, but it's also pleasure because you love talking about your business or potentially doing a business with that company mm. so I, I I personally don't feel that that encroaches my time I just take whoa what how wonderful I'm gonna have dinner with this uh, company or this person or this group of people and we're gonna talk about potential collaborations I think that's exciting I it's not a chore so again it's however you want to see your work life if you think, like a lot of people do, I know, that I'm there for nine to five and they're not going to give me one more second and that's it because you know, uh, fine, uh, clearly you're not going to be a CEO yeah. or a, any sort of 
senior role because that at that moment job is not that important to you or you don't think that your life is defined as well as about your work mm. uh, but I, I'm just going around here just to be sure that it's not that I define for instance my life as my work no my life has a huge element of it that we call work yeah but it's part of a continuum a continuum for me which is how do I relate to the world around me and how the world around me relates, whether it's work, life, etc. And then it's having that time. And I think in that, I don't know, maybe I sound a little bit zen with it, but it's, it's how I, I think I manage to balance my life and not be stressed out all day long. And clearly I do have reasons to be stressed out, but I try, I, I try not to. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Change Board Future Talent podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a comment and a rating. You can also check out our other interviews and stories on our website, www.changeboard.com. We look forward to bringing you another Future Talent podcast very soon. Bye.